These three friends are amazing. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zulkowski. I'm Sean McAver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. 300 episodes. This week marks 300 continuous weeks, a 300th episode, with a look back at these wonderful times with my two best friends, Sean and Scott. So, without further ado... Let's get started. Oh, wait. But first, what's the best and worst concert experience you've had in Texas? Well, I've had a lot of good concert experiences in Texas, but uh, my top favorite uh, is probably going to be a three-way tie uh, between Lyle Lovett at the Cynthia Mitchell Woodlands Pavilion in the Woodlands. Um Def Leppard at Coca-Cola Starplex, my freshman year of college, and then a free Sammy Hagar show, which was also at the Coca-Cola Starplex. Those were all three standout shows in my memory. Um, Now, the worst concert experience I had in Texas isn't actually the show itself. The show itself was pretty good, Um, but I went to a Pearl Jam concert in Austin, and uh, the parking was horrible. It was at a venue called South Park Meadows. Um, and the parking was basically just a big empty field. Um, they didn't have any good structure to getting in and out, and it took literally hours, like hours, to get in and out of that. Um, pretty sure that doesn't exist anymore. I think it's just a shopping center now, Walmart, Target, or something like that. Yeah, I, I, that was when they were having their, their conflict with Ticketmaster, so they decided yes. to do a tour on their own. Yeah, it was. So I guess it was an alternate venue, and uh, that venue was not uh, not really prepared. So yeah, that was yeah. So there you go. Don't like Ticketmaster service fees. Well, you know, you don't have to have good parking. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, man, this is tough. Best, I'm gonna pull a Sean here and say I have two. You know, can't just pick one. Not my best. No, uh, I think probably the best concert I have in Texas was uh, the my wife now, but then we were just, it was a first date, but I took her to the uh, Willie Nelson picnic, which was in San Antonio, and it was exceedingly hot, and what was not a date turned into a date, and there was Willie Nelson music to be had. It was an excellent night. Also, uh, a few years before that, I'd gone to a Clint Black show, and I, I had no idea that I was going to enjoy myself. And I had a nice time. <laughs> but at the end for the encore, he said, I love to play drums. So he climbs up in the drums and his drummer sits down. And then one of his backup singers gets up there. And they played Pig by Steely Dan. Oh, and a twist. The horn section he had playing, he had a couple of guys from Tower of Power playing horns. So nice. it was an incredibly powerful band. And they, uh, they blew me away with some amazing live yacht rock before we even knew what that thing was. Uh, I want to say, you know, worst is hard. Um, as I've always had great experiences, even when things go bad. Uh, like that time, uh, we said, let's go. And Sean said, no, look, there's all these cops. Something's going to happen here. I want to see what happens. Like, Just <laughs> get in the car. But uh, one time I went to a Charlie Robson show at Green, and the, something was wrong with the sound system. It was just awful. It was, it was so loud. It was really hard to hear things. Uh, it was just a bad sound so 
you know, uh, shout out to sound engineers out there. It's a tough job, and uh, they make people sound good. But uh, you can't beat the location, though. Green was beautiful. I agree with that. Green's gorgeous. Was it Green Hall, or was it somewhere else? No, it was a Green Hall. Oh, okay. But they messed up. Someone was messed up awful in that sound. Oh, uh, okay. Well, worst is hard to say. I mean, there's been some really terrible shows that we walked out of during, down in Deep Ellum over the years. Um, that Pop Poppin show was pretty bad. Um, but I think the very worst one was a Lollapalooza, and it, Cypress Hill pulled out a five-foot-long joint and shouted out that this was dedicated to Jerry Garcia, who just died. Uh, and that was like the sound was awful. It was too hot. It was terrible. Bad experience there. Uh, for best, though, I got to go with seeing Def Leppard in 1993 with my brand new friend, Scott, who had just met like a couple of days before and found out that he liked Def Leppard. And I liked Def Leppard, even though, you know, that sound was going into a little bit of dormancy because of grunge at that time. But we got $15 tickets, like literally third row on the day of the concert. So it was nice. It was a lot of fun. They Very were cool. uh, their opening act was Ugly Kid Joe. Yeah, that's a band that's lost to time. Yep, <laughs> that's probably on a BuzzFeed list somewhere. Yeah, and then I think we saw them uh, several years later when they when they kind of got popular mm-hmm. again, had a new album, and yep, yep. and used to look at show. Yep, love the show, fellas. Also at Coca Cola Starbucks. Yes. Now, where did y'all see? Where did y'all see Sammy Hagar talking about? Uh, that was the Starplex. Texas Jam talking about the Texas Jam. That was the Starplex. And the break. Man. Okay. That was then the breakup break of, of sticks. Stick. Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> was, uh, free. We we won. Who was it? You, Mike? Yeah, I had I I left work early and went over to Car Warehouse and picked up some free tickets for yeah, Sammy a- Hagar, his apology show from when Van Halen had ditched all the years before when his voice shot uh just was shot and so yeah. it was a great scott and i had a great time with that we've all oh, listen for those who, who are just now tuning in you picked a you might not pick the best episode <laughs> maybe you want to go back a couple but the, you know the three of us are for our old friends and and have been friends for a long time so you know when it comes to best concert experience doing a lot you know we did a lot of this stuff in college and after college so i've had a lot of great adventures with these guys yeah well, yeah, I, I prefer to go for the more quiet concerts now, uh, like Lyle Lovett. I mean, it's not it's not it's not loud. It's just not deafening. Um, but, you know, I think we may just need to change our show to just talking about concerts. Sean, <laughs> Mike and Scott talking <laughs> about concerts. No, I think people want to hear about Texas. So let's uh, shift gears and let's start to talk about 300 episodes of Texas. 300 weeks we've been bringing you this show. Um, and it, it means so much to us, all the wonderful notes and reviews and people who get interested and share the show. And I'll say right now that the best thing you can do to help us, if you love what we do, is to tell someone about it. Take an episode you love and share it with them and say, you know, here's something about Texas I guarantee you didn't know. And get your Texas IQ up there. That's that's what we really did this to do, was just to explore these interesting stories and people and pieces of texas history so i'm really proud of the work we've done and how long we've been doing it for Mm -hmm. yeah you know when we started this episode the very first thing we tried to record was an episode on the battleship texas um and it didn't work so well but then we we sat down and rethought how we wanted to do the show and uh, uh came up with a different format a different way to to talk about 
the subjects and it and the battleship texas ended up being like our second or third episode um but we also did an episode where there was concern about pollution and some issues there was a whole come we had a letter from the committee to to help save the battleship a couple years ago and now sean yeah so now the interesting thing is that uh, so in 2007, the voters of Texas voted $25 million to restore the Battleship Texas. So if you don't know what the Battleship Texas is, very, very briefly, it is a warship that was built right before the First World War. It's the only warship in existence still that served during both world wars. It's also the last uh, battleship of its kind uh, from the World War One period. Uh, it's the dreadnought type of battleship. And uh, it is the flagship of the Texas Navy. And since... The end of World War II, it has been uh, sitting in a berth next to the San Jacinto Monument in Houston, uh, and it has be- it has gotten at various points in really bad condition. Uh, it was restored about 20 years ago, and then uh, it's since deteriorated again, just because the pollution in the water is not not good at all for the uh, the hull of the ship. At any rate, the state voted their uh, 25 million dollars to build a dry berth for the, sh- for the ship and to restore it. Uh, and then the, the foundation raised another $4 million. But unfortunately, over the past decade uh, or more, they haven't been able to complete all the studies that they've needed to do and all the designs. They just haven't done it. Uh, and in the meantime, the, the tourism traffic to the battleship has declined precipitously, especially after Hurricane Harvey last year. Uh, and it's pretty difficult to get out to the San Jacinto Monument Um it's just not a touristy area. Uh, it's yet to drive past a whole bunch of chemical petrochem plants. And at any rate, uh, in the recent legislative session, uh, a bill was passed and has gone to the governor's desk, Governor Greg Abbott's desk, to allocate $35 million to restore uh, the ship to seaworthiness, not to necessarily have it be a, a actually powered ship, but at least to be able to float on its own to get it back into a good, solid condition. And then they're going to move it away from the San Jacinto Monument. They're going to move it somewhere else on the Texas Gulf Coast. Uh, I think the current rumors that I've been reading seem to indicate the more touristy areas of Galveston uh, or maybe uh, they said the upper Texas coast, but I don't know if it will go into Beaumont. Um, There's a possibility of Corpus Christi where the USS Lexington is. Um, but at any rate, the Battleship Texas is going to be moving from its home. It's going to get a new home. It's going to get a restore restoration because they can't move it until they repair it, basically. So a lot of the a lot of the money that's going to go into uh, the, of that thirty five million dollars is actually going to go into just getting the ship able to float, uh, which is good. It's good for the ship. It's going to keep. It's going to get it in a better place where there's less pollution in the water mm-hmm. and be able to last another hundred years. See, that's crazy to me that uh, that they actually, because everything we talked about said is there just wasn't funds, that it wouldn't float, that it couldn't be moved. It's essentially stuck in the muck of that backwater channel there. Right, and that was why they wanted to do the bri- dry berth. And they did studies on the ship, and the fortunate thing is they were really concerned about the keel and the, the structure, the actual uh, the actual frame of the ship, which is really the the load bearing structure of the ship, the hull, the the plates on the outside of the ship don't bear the load; they just keep the water out and they keep it buoyant. Uh, the structure is strong. There is not any any rot or any rusting or anything on the actual structure of the ship. So, because they were concerned that if they took all the water out and then had it rest on its 
frame, it it would collapse. Well, it's not going to. Uh, but the hull is paper thin. You can put your you put your hand through the metal in, in, of the hull. The problem is is that they just haven't done the work over the past decade. If they'd done it ten years ago, then it probably would have still been there. It may not have been able to be up kept, but it would have been there. Now there now there's a one year time frame on this that they're committing to to do this. So that's that's good because you got to put you got to put time to the to the money. Well, best of luck to everybody that's working on this project. It's an important piece of Texas history, and we're big fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you're yeah. if you want to see it in its current state, uh, you have until the end of the year. So make make your trip. I was going to point out too. You know, another big historical monument here in Texas that we were going to talk about is that uh, you know the the Alamo Plaza. So the San Antonio City Council has uh, they approved back in October by a 9-2 in favor of a huge makeover. So it's an expensive makeover of the Alamo Plaza. They're going to close a bunch of those streets down permanently, and they're going to move the Cenotaph. They're going to rearrange stuff. It's about a $450 million renovation to the downtown area around the Alamo. So that's actually kind of exciting. And uh, although it's scheduled currently to be approved, finished in 2040, so yeah. we've got 20 years or so before it's done. <clears throat> yeah. Well, and yeah, and so this is uh, actually the work is going to be directed in conjunction with the city of San Antonio and the Texas General Land Office, yep. who actually controls the Alamo. So, Yep. And we had uh, and that was an exciting episode this year that we're really proud of having some members of the GLO uh, participating with the show and talking to us about their their big Texas showdown and some of the work that they do that uh, I wasn't aware of all of the historical maps and, and documents that the GLO was in uh, uh, possession of and uh, was caretaking. Yeah, and and James actually provided us with some fascinating documentation of our good friend Creed Taylor. Gotta love it. Yeah, turned fantastic. So we had some feedback from some of our listeners, and we wanted to kind of share. So we do get emails and we get uh, reviews. So we did want to share a few little feedback items uh, that came in in the last year or so uh, since episode 200. Uh, one of those came from Brian Simmons, and uh, Brian uh, says he grew up in Cass County, which was the home of Don Henley, who we did an episode on this year. Uh, Brian said he enjoyed the episode. Uh, he did state that uh Don Henley has a reputation in the town that's not exactly positive. Uh, and he tells some funny stories about um, his father and uh, uh, encounters with Don Henley as a youngster. So uh, we'll leave it at that. Um, another uh, feedback that we got was from – hold on a second. All right. Another feedback that we got was from a J- from Jason Warner, uh, who we actually mentioned on the Odds and Ends podcast in 2018. Um, and Jason said that uh, he was talking about he gave his comment about Eugene and Margaret McDermott. Uh, and he said he really enjoyed our episode on Texas Instruments. He pointed out that if you watch some episodes of Knight Rider from the 1980s, you will see that the Texas Instruments logo appears very prominently on the computer equipment that maintained Kit's brain. Oh. So there you go. We are all we are all children of the 80s. And so therefore, any mention of Knight Rider or Street Hawk or Airwolf or the A-Team perks up our ears. So or the absolute greatest lost 80s show, Houston Knights. <laughs> 
And if anybody, if anybody out there, I'm going to throw this out there. If you've got this show on video, please reach out to me because it's impossible to find. And yeah, I really that, want to watch the show. There's that, only like eight episodes. That and uh, the Texas Wheelers. Oh, that's a real lost show. Yeah, that one's lost for for pretty much anyone, I think. Yeah, yeah. Unless unless that li- there's a there there was a lady that I saw an article about. I think she recently passed away, but she's from Philadelphia, and apparently she was into archiving shows. Like she literally had multiple VCRs and televisions set up in her apartment, like dozens of them, running video recording hours upon hours upon hours of television from every channel in the market on cable uh, both on broadcast originally and on cable and so there's a thought that some of the lost episodes of television this this lady may actually have recorded so i think the uh the, i'm not sure who has that that property uh, that, that actually wound up with all the videotapes but there are people going through looking at the videotapes one of the things they found is it doesn't have anything to text history but they've got uh commercials that people had forgotten about so uh but i am hoping that somehow the texas wheelers is on a videotape in this that this lady recorded back in the late 70s mid 70s awesome uh, well we talked about old houston television commercials once a long time ago yes uh so many memories Hey, I'd like to throw out the fact that, uh, you know, it helps when you guys have reviews and leave positive reviews, and we appreciate that we're, this is a five-star podcast, so when people leave reviews, they leave a great one, uh, and we're very happy with that, and we hope you guys appreciate the work, and if there's something you want us to talk about or or know about, well, shoot us a note, because we're always interested. Somebody called Higher Ed Lifer said, excellent history and commentary, this was uh, recently in this month. I've been listening on my way to and from work in Louisville, Kentucky. Thank you. This podcast is great. History, culture, politics, people, geography, etc. of America's greatest state. Love it. Most importantly, you're all very informative. Would like to hear a show on what the rest of the USA thinks of Texans, stereotypes versus reality. Also, maybe a podcast on books about Texas like Lawrence Wright's God Save Texas. Thanks and keep up the great work. You know, I think that's a fast, fantastic idea. Um, we need to find some people uh, that don't live in Texas and um, aren't lifers like us and uh, maybe invite their direct input on what those stereotypes might be. You start talking to people from Oklahoma and you just open the door to all (laughs) kinds of trouble. (laughs) Bazinga! Yeah. (laughs) No, I think that would be fun. I think it would be fun to hear people. You know, that's been one of the interesting things when you talk as as Texans and non-Texans might know. You talk to people about Texas, and they have a lot of misconceptions. They maybe watch something like, say, the History Channel's Texas Rising, and they think that we live in a big dust bowl uh, and don't appreciate the natural beauty of this state. But, you know, that would be great. That would be great. And also, you know, we we understand about books. It's hard for us. I will point out that it is difficult with looking at large-scale scope of books. Those are pretty broad subjects. And and for the podcast, we do try to keep it to a reasonable listening time for you guys and really cover some topics. But there are a lot of books and things we do look into. So Here uh, we've got another great review from Aggie Tim. And he says, love it. 
I've been listening for over a year now. Great topics. I love learning more about my great state and the great people who have made it great. Looking forward to learning more about the oldest town in Texas and my hometown, Akadochis. That would be a good episode to do. And we can definitely talk about how there are no open prairies in Nacogdoches. Well, we've talked about Nacogdoches in, you know, it is a bit of a, of a character in and of itself in so many of those early Texas stories. Yeah, I think actually my favorite one's not an early Texas story. It's a later Texas story. My favorite Nacogdoches story is that's where Groucho Marx became Groucho Marx. Yeah, yeah. We talked about that in uh, one of our... Um, Recent episode, I think it was yeah. the Movie Palace episode, perhaps. Might have been. One of those, because we yeah. talked about old theaters and that used to be vaudeville theaters and and stuff. And I think we mentioned the that. The Marx Brothers one, but yeah, too. I think there's, I think, yeah, yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of, uh, a lot more that we could probably say about Nacogdoches. So maybe we should uh, do an episode just on Nacogdoches. We could do an episode just on uh, Stephen F. Austin State University, the Lumberjacks. Yep. yep. So thanks, Aggie Tim, for your input. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And I'll end this with a, we had one from a, Ooh Sparkly. I love these usernames and said, as big as the Lone Star State itself, these three friends are amazing. They must put an amazing amount of time into their research. I've learned so much about my Texas and all things Texan. Well, you're not lying. Yeah. We do work hard at doing this. <laughs> we appreciate any of the stars that you want to give us. Yeah. Five stars is best bars. Hey, uh, so so <laughs> yourself out there, just this is the thing for us is, you know, we're we're not a big budget operation. We're three friends. We focus on the history, the stories. We try to listen to what you're doing. So the best thing you can do is drop us a line, give us feedback. If you're interested in what we're doing, get you know, share the reviews and get out there and tell people about what we're doing because we'd love for you to share what the show is about. Mm-hmm. And if there's topics we need to cover, keep them coming. Yeah, and if you have an interesting story you want to share, then let us know, and we may want to, you know, talk to you further about it. There's there's a number of people who've reached out to us, and we've, you know, we we are busy guys. We are full time uh, jobs and careers and full time families, uh, but you know, we've been working on trying to get a few more interviews in, in place with people, and and so several interesting people have reached out to us. So. If you think you got an interesting story, shoot us an email. We'll talk, and uh, you know, maybe something we want to want to have a conversation about. You know, the thing that's that struck me about this show is is I'm I, I, like you said, Mike. I, I'm really proud of the work that we put into this show. Um, I'm proud of the just the fact that 300 episodes um, is a long time. It's a lot of episodes. We have more episodes now than The Big Bang Theory, which just ended. We've got more episodes than South Park has. Uh, we've got more episodes than, uh, Dexter's laboratory, you know, something like that. We've got the same number of episodes as supernatural, which I was shocked to find is still on. Um, so, (laughs) you know, that's, that's a lot of episodes. We have more episodes than all in the family and then mash. So that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, when we started this show, you know, I only had one child, you know, my, uh, my daughter had not yet been born and actually, you know, she was born right as we were. (laughs) Somehow I managed to we managed to start a podcast, and I managed to have another child uh, at the, around the same time, uh, and now she's she's about to go into kindergarten in August. So, you know that's it's, it's it makes me proud that the the work that we put into this show. Well, absolutely, absolutely. So we're all really proud of this, and we're super thankful for all of you with your time. Uh, next week we'll be back at it with some of our regular episodes and programming. 
And if you have questions, you know, just get them to us. Yeah. So, um, oh, uh, I'll say at this point, um, I'd like to start referring to us as the old 300 since uh, we are old yeah, and we we've are. done 300 episodes. What a, well, I mean, you know, we're, we're doing better than those 300 at Thermopylae did. <laughs> true, <laughs> true. But uh, maybe not quite as uh, successful historically as the, uh, the old 300 of Stephen F. Austin. Probably not. Probably not. But that's okay. Uh, well, I, you know, this has been just a chance for us to sit down and tell all of you thank you. Uh, this is a thank you episode. So, like I said, if this was your first episode, not a lot of history tonight. But, can you stay tuned because it is coming, folks. Woo! Maybe we're just getting started. We'll see what the future brings. I love it. I love it. See you in the next 300 people. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Shaw with two ends. And I'm Scotticus. You love this show? So tell your friends about what we're doing and go leave a review on iTunes because that helps us out to find listeners just like you. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway. <laughs>